The gospel this morning is from St. Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 37, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1565. Glory to you, O Lord. St. Mark, chapter 7, verse 24 through 37. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet, he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. And then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly walk and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. And after he took him aside from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. And he looked up to heaven with a deep sigh and said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. And at this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Let me just uh, confirm something here. We'll go to do this in a little bit, but it, uh, as we were listening to the, to the lessons this morning, it occurred to me 
that none of this makes sense. None of the Old Testament, none of the epistle letters, none of the Psalms, none of the gospel makes sense unless the person hearing it believes that there is a God. So I just want to ask you this. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? If so, say, I do. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? If so, say, I do. Do you believe that he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? Do you believe that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried? Do you believe that he descended into hell and on the third day he rose again? Do you believe that he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you believe that he will come again and judge the living of the dead? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? The Holy Christian Church? The communion of saints? The forgiveness of sins? The resurrection of the body? And the life everlasting? Good, then this gospel message is for you. Because anyone listening to this that does not believe this, then I would ask you this. Here. Listen. There's a reason that you're being subjected to this. It's the gospel. The point of all this is that I need Jesus, you need Jesus. There is no difference between us, Jew or Gentile, other than the fact that we are sinners in need of a savior, that we have heard the gospel and by your confession, you say this most certainly is true. So let's unpack this morning. Jesus is coming after just having talked to the Pharisees. Over the last few weeks, remember we were talking about the cup, the outside of the cup they wash and the inside and all the ceremonial cleaning has less to do with hygiene and more to do with, hey, look at me. I'm following these rules. But God didn't even set up that man did, but I'm ultra worthy because of my action of ceremonially cleaning my hands or of wearing the proper clothing, of having little twirlies in my beard and and, or all these outside things. I am pious. My piety, I'm awful proud of it. Oh, I would never do that. I would never say that. In front of people that would (laughs) tell on me. So Christ also went and said, look, you guys, it's not what is outside of a man, right, that makes him unclean, but what is inside that makes him unclean. And as we read the story, uh, the historical account of Jesus coming into the vicinity of Tyre, he, he wants to be left alone. He needed some time alone for himself and for his apostles. And it wasn't going to happen. And what was his reaction? Well, he put himself 
right in the middle of it. He, he had hoped he could have some time alone, but Jesus does not want anyone to be lost, even a Greek. Did you count that? A Greek. Here we were just talking about clean cups and clean hands and for all the Jews, but Jesus makes a point of, in this account, that he has a Gentile, unclean by pharisaical standards, woman, come and engage him. A rabbi, how dare she? Right? And he gives a response to her after she says that, um, well, she begs. She begs. She's praying. She says, drive out the demon of my daughter, please. And he goes, look, kid, let the children eat all that they want. The children, who are the children? Those are the Jews. The chosen people. They were chosen absolutely by God to show the world the nature of God. They were chosen by God to be witness to his power, his rescue. Oh yeah, and even his righteousness. That he rescued them out of captivity several times. That he pursued a bride that was unfaithful. Those are the chosen people. He is showing the chosen people that he came also for the little dogs. Let me feed the kids first. Let me feed the Jews first. Um, and um, I, Because I can't take the bread. I can't take the gospel. I can't take what I am here for to do and toss it to little dogs. That seems kind of harsh, kind of mean, not like the nature of Jesus. But he's teaching all that are listening. I'd like to think that this woman wasn't put off because her response isn't that. She was bold. She said, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Anyone have dogs and children at the same time? Yeah. (laughs) They always hang out underneath the kids' area, don't they? That's a wonderful, wonderful uh, visual that she gave us, a word picture. And Jesus thought so too, and he said, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. She realized that she needed Jesus. There were barriers that were put up by the chosen people that said, you have no right to Jesus. You're a Gentile. You're a Greek. And you're a woman. They would have kept her out. Christ The word incarnate welcomed her in. And it wasn't her work that saved that little girl. What was it? Faith, that F word. Love that F word. Faith. She came to him and said, just say it and it'll be true. We hear of the centurion too. We just had that in our men's group this week. The centurion 
had a, a servant that he loved and he knew that Jesus had power to heal and he called for him and Jesus said, all right, I'm going. And before he even got there, the centurion sent his people out with a note that says, I am unworthy of you coming into my house. But I know that you are a man of authority, as I am too. And I tell one soldier to do this and another to do that, and they do it. So I know that if you were just to give the command, my servant would be healed. And Jesus remarked, man. Well, he didn't say that. But it was similar to, I have not, well, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. Through all of the chosen people, such faith. And yet, here's another Gentile. Here's another dog picking up the crumbs. Sounds like the crumbs from the king's table are pretty darn good, since we like to talk about crumbs these days, but I digress. Jesus came for all people. And in the Christian community, sometimes we find it easier just to ignore those that we are uncomfortable with. Sometimes it is easier to say, well, you're in my prayers. And James really knocked it out of the park on this one today. He says, brothers and sisters, when you see a rich man come into your presence with the gold ring and the fine clothes... And then you see a poor man. You know, he, it's not hard to envision this. Even in today's society, somebody well-dressed, somebody not so, possible danger, probably okay. Right? Not everybody's wired that way, but if we're honest, um, there are some places that we won't go unescorted or unarmed. You know, there's some things and some, some places that we are more comfortable with than others. And then um, we are want to say, well, uh, as, uh, as, as James says, well, we'll pray for you and be well. But we don't take any action to help. And he says, that is, that's dead. He, he gets into this famous saying, and some people have twisted this, but that is, shh, work or rather, faith without works is dead. Has anyone ever heard that? Faith with what well, you did this morning. And some people have said, well, I, I have to have works or else I'm not going to make it. Some people are work inspectors, um, fruit inspectors. And they'll say, well, you know, your life doesn't show a lot of works in it, you know. And, and that could be even so much as um, they're, you know, you, you haven't been to church in a while. Uh, you know, and in some uh, uh, congregations, they could say, well, gee, I just, I wonder if you really, if you really are saved. Some people put works and put, you know, checklists on their um, Oh my goodness, you know, your offerings are a little inconsistent. And, you know, I've done the math here in uh, Southern California, and the average income is this. And if I'm looking at that, I don't know what part of 10%, you know, you're given, but I wonder if you really ever were saved. People do that. 
James says, show me your faith apart from your works. Show me your faith apart from your works. Because people that would be so audacious as to uh, condemn somebody for how they perform on their attendance or how they perform in their offering or how they perform in any other way as a Christian as to whether or not they're saved or not, those people are work-oriented. Those are the same kind of people as the publican that was in the synagogue. And he says, Lord... Thank you for not making me like that tax collector. That's pretty ugly, isn't it? And James is saying, you know, your works with no faith is ugly. And, and we heard this morning that the, the princes and, and all of the hard work they put and all their treasures, the day they die, it's over. Without faith. And so he sets this astounding thing. I wish we all would listen to it. Every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth. You show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. What does that mean? You think, on one hand, he's saying, your work saves you. That we'll take a look at all your work. Somebody up there will be processing it out. Maybe even setting it you know, into the fire and, and it'll consume only that uh, which is awful and then the leftover will be the good stuff. I submit to you that it'll all be burned up. Anything that I do on, my, on myself apart from God, it's going to be burned up. Paul said that my good works are like what? Filthy rags or dung. But on the other hand, James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. How does that work? Well, my faith. My faith is is that it's done. Enough is enough. He did it. Christ and him crucified did it for me. I hear. I believe. I repent. I am forgiven. I confess, and I am into the fold. I am baptized. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I am clothed in Christ. Therefore, there is no more condemnation. That's what my faith tells me. James also goes on to say, that's nice, but I don't want, you know, we shouldn't be constipated Christians, right? So we received all this inflowing we got to let stuff out. So what comes out? Works. We have received so much. We have this eternity that is guaranteed by the work done on the cross that is we are reminded of by our baptism and the meal that we're going to take daily. We have these assurances and yet we still get to produce the fruit that he created us to do. Those are our works. The fruit just comes. The fruit doesn't get us into heaven. The fruit bears witness of his goodness and that our reliance is on his goodness and not on our works. We need Jesus and the Gentiles need Jesus and Jesus was not shy about telling us 
and telling the Pharisees that would put a boundary up, that would say, no, we're the chosen people. If there's anything left over, maybe you guys will be okay, you Gentiles. But we're the ones that are chosen. And he turned that thinking upside down and onto his head. So, James. James is the brother of Jesus. James is credited with being the author of this epistle. James didn't start out believing that his brother was the Messiah. But James finished well after seeing and hearing the gospel that came to life. They say James was a very kind man. The historian, Jewish historian Josephus said that his contemporaries called him James the Just because of how kind he was. James proclaimed his brother and him crucified. James proclaimed that the Messiah came and the Messiah saves and the Messiah is coming again. James, his brother, was a devout prayer warrior. History says this. Uh, it's not in the Bible, but you know, history is, has been recorded, so it's, it's nice to think about. That James, his knees were so calloused that they looked like the knees of a camel because he was on his knees praying all of the time. James, his final works in faith was a martyr's death. History records it around 62 AD, so uh, 30-some years after Jesus was crucified. He was called by the Pharisees. They assembled the Sanhedrin, and they told him that he must recount, renounce Christ as the Messiah. And instead of doing that, history tells us that James cried out in a loud voice that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one who the prophets spoke of, the one who came to save the world, the perfect Lamb of God, and he is coming again. They were not pleased. They knocked him down. He was on his knees praying as they stoned him. Praying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. History also says that a benevolent, maybe be the word, somebody took pity on him and the pain that he was going through and they took a club and they ended it by whacking him on the head. His works <laughs> were proclaiming Christ and him crucified as the true one. And he was able to do that by faith. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. He's met us all at the font of baptism. And he's going to meet us all in a few minutes at the table of this holy sacrament. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Amen.